How would you like to improve your relationship? How would you like to respond differently in a way that facilitates mutuality and encourages connection? We look forward to addressing these issues together and welcome you to Ask Arlo, a program that seeks to help you identify negative patterns and respond in new ways that can promote a more positive relationship. Now, here is the host of Ask Arlo, Arlene Majorano. Hi, everybody. My name is Arlene Majorano, and this is my first podcast for Ask Arlo, uh, a relationship part podcast. And I am very happy to also introduce you to my guest, Michelle Frimmer, who is going to be co-producing with me, co-recording. Uh, okay, so let me start first by saying that uh, one of the people I always give credit to is Hillel, uh, because he said something in 100 BC that has influenced many people after him. And what he said is that if I'm not for myself, who, who will be? So I have to think of myself. If I'm not for others, what am I? So I have to think of others. And if not now, when? And one of the people who I believe was very influenced by him was Martin Buber, who wrote um, a very famous book called The I-Thou. And in that book, uh, Buber postulated that there was an I, a thou, and a between, and that we meet in the between, and we are responsible for our meeting in the between. Um, And from there, Fritz Perls developed Gestalt therapy, and uh, Harville Hendricks developed Imago therapy, which is a relationship-focused therapy, and they both give credit to Martin Buber. And um, I just want to say that because it, it, it always feels very important to me that Hillel first uttered this concept in 100 BC, so over 2,000 years ago, And we have to then appreciate that it is part of our human journey um, to follow that path that he set out for us to answer that question for ourselves, to find the balance between I, thou, and to find the between where we meet uh, each other and hear the other side as well as our own. Um, So one of the things that... um, One of the places that this becomes very uh, pertinent to to kind of keep as as the background is um, when we are in a relationship and something happens and one person requests an apology from the other person. And the, the apology can often be very, very difficult to give in a relationship, particularly. So, um, The antithesis of that is you bang into somebody in the street. They say, watch where you're going. You say, oh, I'm sorry. No big deal. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't see you. And it's over before it begins. But in a relationship, um, the the apology can be very, very, very difficult. Um, And we're going to talk about why. First of all, a relationship mirrors our early childhood connection to our parents, right? So those early connections are very profound. They're deeply embedded in our nervous systems. And um, 
no, n- nothing triggers our early childhood memories and traumas like the partner that we've chosen to connect with. So when we talk about um, an apology, <laughs> depending on your point of view, it's either something, it's a heartfelt recognition of the hurt the other person is experiencing, um, or it is an indictment and a criticism completely unreasonable and undeserved, which we must defend against at any cost. Um, The true apology comes from our hearts. It comes from genuinely caring that we have hurt the other. Um, So by definition, an apology recognizes that one member of the dyad has done something that has hurt the other member, possibly unintentionally or reactively. Um, Both members can be triggered at the same moment, one feeling unfairly accused or not appreciated for their overall good intention, the other feeling unseen by their partner's difficulty in recognizing their hurt feeling. In both cases, what is often triggered is that childhood feeling of being unfairly criticized or conversely of being ignored and invalidated. There are a couple of quotes that I I also love to um, use when I work with people. One is Harville Hendricks' quote um, that says, would you rather be right or be in a relationship? So we often get trapped in that um, between, between wanting to be right, but wanting to be in a relationship where you hear the other so Harville's question is, would you rather be right or be in a relationship? Um, the, other, the other quote I love, and I don't really know who said it, I've tried to find out, is 100% of the responsibility belongs to me and the other 100% belongs to you. So in a relationship, each one can easily feel that it's the other person who deserve, who, who has all the responsibility. Clearly it's their fault that we're having a fight or an argument. We have nothing to do with it. So that quote reverses the responsibility. A hundred percent is mine. A hundred percent belongs to the other person. And if, if either partner will take their hundred percent of responsibility, we can change a negative cycle into a positive one. Um, The other quote that I love is um, that there's always a good reason that somebody does a bad thing. So when we're having a fight with somebody and, 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 and they're maybe stating what they need in a way that is attacking or blaming, it's our task to look at that person and say, what is the reason What is underneath that behavior that feels a little attacking to me? What have I done to create that bad behavior? There must be a good reason for it. So that's the, so those are very, that's a very hard task, but I put that out there as one of the quotes I also use when I work with people, um, with couples. So um, let me see, Michelle, do you have anything you want to add to that as I, yeah, you know, when I was listening to you, Arlene, and I, <clears throat> and I've heard you talk about Hillel, and you know, of course, Buber. We talk about that a lot in Gestalt's, like the premise of our work. What came to me is that 
what it, it really touched my heart because what he's like really tapping into what I hear is the sacredness of the, of ourselves. And therefore, if we can tap into our own sacredness, um, then we can tap into know that we're all part of, we're all sacred. So there's a sacredness of the individual, which is really just the oneness of everything. And that space in between to me and more in like a spiritual way is a, is the true connection that we're all one. We always hear that, oh, we're all one. But what does that really mean, right? Mm -hmm. It means like we're really tapping into that sacredness and that the I thou instead of the I it, you know, looking at somebody as if they're just a separate entity or a thing. Right. But that we're really all in it together. So, I mean, when you were saying that, just um, that really just touched me in that way of how important it is when we have a fight that we are, we're severing and forgetting our sacredness and our connection in that. Right. And, and I would just emphasize what you're saying. The other person is sacred, but the between is really the the most sacred thing that we need to be focusing on. Right. Yes. Because the the between that we've created together, that is unique to, to the two of us. Exactly. The expression of both our sacredness mm -hmm. is together. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the two kinds of apologies that we can have. Um, We can have one that comes from our heart, right? From genuinely caring that we have hurt the other person. Um, When we do this, we're left feeling vulnerable, um, but we're also left feeling generous and open to the other. And that apology is pure. It's simple. Um, Because it comes from our heart, we we don't even have the impulse to take it back. It's freely given. It's generous it's authentic. And that kind of apology can be an amazing healing um, moment in a relationship that without that could spiral out of control into one of those couples fights that only couples uniquely can have. Um, So that, that's, that's one type of apology. Um, the other type, you know, and, and I sometimes quote Olga Silverstein, who founded Ackerman Family Therapy. Um, she once said that you only have two steps that you can take before you give that apology, before you um, don't escalate. If you start to escalate, defend, uh, and, and blame, then you're going to go off into one of these things that one of these couples fights that is... Um, a horrible uh, mess for all of us who've been in a couple. We know what it's like. They're, it's unique to a couple. And and the only way, one of the ways anyway, to stop it before it starts is to just apologize, to genuinely from our heart apologize. Um, now, the other kind of apology <laughs> is kind of what, what I would call a transactional one, Right. Um, we say it because we know the other person is upset and we want them to be quiet and we want their, their you know, uh, like attitude to end. Uh, and so what we do is we'll apologize and then we'll circumvent, we'll, we'll, we'll step back and we'll say what I call one of the couple's curse words is, but <laughs> I'm sorry, but. But is the is on the I call it the road to nowhere. We're on the road to nowhere once we say but. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. The other one is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if I say, I'm sorry, but I didn't mean it, or but you're overreacting, or, um, you know, but you're so sensitive, and but you did the same thing to me the other day, then we're done, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> we're completely and totally done. Get out the boxing gloves. Get out, get out the boxing gloves. <laughs> um, the, other, the other way we can have a transactional apology is to, to rationalize, to um, correct the facts. Oh, well, you think that I was being, uh, I'm sorry that you, th- you think I was being uh, critical of you, but I really wasn't. And these are the facts, the opposite. This is my reality, which is opposite of your reality. Um, So that's another way we can get into trouble. But I think one of the other ways that you know it's a transactional apology is that you say it, it kind of sounds okay, so it mediates things for the moment. But then the next day, you might say, you know, I think you really were too sensitive yesterday. Or, you know, look at you. You're not putting away the dishes. And yesterday you criticized me for not putting away my clothes. So you can't really, you can't circle back if your apology is genuine. If your apology came from your heart. You're not going to want to circle back. You're not going to be inclined to circle back. Because the need to do that is not going to be there. So, um So one of the things that we really have to work on when we're in a couple is to really try to find um, the space inside of ourselves that wants to give that genuine apology, that really does care that we've hurt somebody. Um, And you know what? Sometimes it might even be, it might have to last for years because when there's like a very egregious um, injury, like maybe an affair. Um, And I've had people where this has happened that I've worked with. uh, Maybe 10 years later, something might happen to trigger the person who, um, who, who is still suffering from the affair, even though the person may have apologized a hundred times and that person might say something. And again, no matter how many times that happens, if it's genuinely coming from your heart, you just, you don't say, uh, I apologize 50 times. Why are you bringing this up again? You say, I'm sorry that that's still with you and that I hurt you so deeply. And then we're done. Then we're over. Then it's healed for that moment. And yes, again, so- it may not be forever. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just, that was just like, I was thinking, listening and the, um, it goes, it circles back to what you're saying in the beginning. It's like, there's something about when you give an apology and it's truly from the heart. Um, it's very empowering to the person giving the apology. I mean, that's in my experience when I've truly apologized from my heart, I feel like I've taken full responsibility. I've also like, it was a growth moment where I feel like there's something I did and now I've learned something. So I could truly uh, take ownership and see it and uh, and take it in. You know, my heart expands when I apologize. Like like you said, you feel more open. And so it's an empowering moment. And so at the end, and so then when you're giving the apology, so when you're talking about the, when you work with couples, 
it's when you're giving the apology is in that article um, that we read together about not expecting anything back. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it, you're apologizing really like you're caring about the other, of course, but it's almost like you're caring about yourself. You know, your heart is closed when you're not apologizing. You you have closed your heart, right? And when you have opened your heart for an apology, you've given a gift, not just to them, but like to yourself, right? It's mm-hmm. like a, it's a personal gift that you you don't need anything back. So even in that couple, so if, he, if somebody cheats and then the other one, you know, still is, I'm so sorry, I... Like they know how they felt when they apologized. You know, their heart is open and expanding with love for the other. And the other person in time, it might take, you know, time. That's the other side of right. The right. right. So and the then, empowerment and responsibility uh, and heart opening to me is what comes out when you talk about this. Sure. And if it does happen, then the, the person who's been wounded is mm-hmm. able to see the other side. Mm-hmm. And hope, and that's, you know, like a full circle. And that's ultimately what we would hope would happen. Mm-hmm. So if we see the full circle, we see what was going on for the person when they did that, what was going on for the person when they hurt us, when they were triggered, when they were defensive, what was triggered for them. Mm-hmm. So um, to, to, to do that is the path to true forgiveness, because we see that the person isn't a bad person. I always right. say in my relationships, when I work with couples, there's no bad person. There are just two hurt people. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can see the hurt person in the other, mm-hmm. then the apology also opens up your pathway to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And which I is had very a, important. Yeah. And I had a therapist years ago and she used to say, there's no bad people. There's just bad actions or bad mm-hmm. behavior. So they, we could judge the behavior or judge what you did, but then we look at the person is still the loving, pure person and what caused them to do this, right? So the compassion, compassion starts to come in to that, but that can take time. Like you said, right. That can take, Mm -hmm. doesn't always happen. Like, you know, it's a miraculous, um, you know, happen overnight sort of thing. It can take a while. Right. And, and again, that person is a hurt person also, Mm -hmm. like where we, we, we behave badly from our hurt and from our trauma. We behave badly because we need to defend mm-hmm. ourselves and um, take find the fault in the other and not in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you know, this reminded me though when when you when we're talking about the affair, you know, and 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 that's like such a big um, injury that can happen in a relationship. But I find, and you know, Michelle and I talked about this that when we work with couples, what, what gets triggered, the smallest things can trigger huge couples fights, huge. And um, what, but they're all underneath them is always one, you know, one of the existential issues. So if I, if I name the existential issues, they're immortality versus the fear of death, the wish for immortality versus the fear of death, the wish for freedom Um, versus the need for structure, the need for connection versus the fear of isolation. So we want to be connected and the wish for meaning, even though in the universe, we know we're, we're essentially meaningless in the big picture. So I think what happens in relationships often 
is that those last two, and maybe even more the one, uh, the, the dilemma between meaning and meaninglessness is the, the one that gets triggered. Because what I hear all the time, and also in my, my relationship, I can say this all the time, <laughs> um, is what you don't understand, you're not listening to me. You don't care about me. You don't care what I need. You, so this could be about something, at, forget the affair. This could be about not washing the dishes. You don't care that I, I hate when you leave the dishes in the sink. That in me, if there's no apology, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I'm going to do them right now. Um, what ends up spiraling out after about two interchanges, like Oliver Silverstein said, mm-hmm. is um, you don't care about me. You never see me. You don't want. To, you don't do anything that I want. All you think about is yourself. So that existential dilemma, that need for for meaning and for being seen by, met by, mirrored by um, the other is, is what gets triggered. And we could hypothesize that that often is triggered by the childhood experience of not having been met, not having been seen, not having been valued, um, that may have happened in a family of origin. Um, not not everybody is lucky enough to have parents who, you know, celebrate them, celebrate their their artwork, their everything about themselves, um, their schoolwork, their artwork, their their humor. Um, lucky kids have that, but a lot of kids don't. A lot of kids have parents who can be resentful that they've had to be parents. Uh, can be stressed, overworked, overwhelmed, and um, they don't often get that mirroring and that um, affirmation that their very existence is special and important to someone else. So that's what comes up in couples often when one person forgets to do the dishes or one person leaves their clothes on the floor. That's the, that. That in that banal action, that, it's never about the dishes. It's never about the dishes, <laughs> and, never, it is, and it, yeah. it's amazing, right? How that can spiral out. Well, that's how I ended up contacting you because I had an argument with Dave, oh, with my husband. <laughs> now everyone knows Dave is my husband. And um, he knows I'm talking about him right now. And uh, I had remembered in that argument that you wrote this article. So I, I said, you know, I better go back. I want to read that article again. And I reread it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly what just transpired. And it was um, – and in reflecting now when I went back to him and I said, do you remember what we were fighting about or arguing? I would really say, he says, no, I don't. For the life of us, we cannot remember what the content was. So we're both laughing about that, but we remember the experience of the fight. And that's where that experience is really the trigger. That's the uh, early trauma or the early, the, the needs not met. So that is the experience that we felt, which is probably the same experience that comes up in any of the other bickerings that we have. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, the experience is he never feels heard. He feels uh, uh, like stepped on because I could be very forceful. So he wanted to make his point, make his point, but that I, you know, and because he was never really paid attention to, right? And then with me, 
I just felt so hurt by him. Uh, something that he did, I just felt all I wanted was an apology. I said, can't you just apologize? What you said just hurt me so bad. I, I'm sorry. But you know, when you, then he went into the transactional. So we were both, because I was never, um, personally, I was just never, my feelings were never considered. I didn't even know what a feeling was until I started Gestalt training 12 years ago. So what's a feeling? I don't know. I, you know, so I figured that one out. But my feelings were so hurt in that moment. And that's all we were doing was just we both were two children sitting in a room having this argument, right, over I have no idea what it was about. Yeah, right? that's, so, the funny <laughs> thing. that's the really funny thing is you forget the data. Was it about the dishes? Was it about the, the clothes on the floor? You forget the data. I, I, was hap- I happened to be washing dishes <laughs> when he was in the kitchen having the argument and – I just remember stopping and feeling so tremendously hurt. And all I wanted was him to see how hurt I was because I was never coddled or held or it's going to be okay, Michelle. That's all I needed at that moment. And I wasn't getting it. And he was, I wasn't seeing his, he didn't understand why he needed to apologize. And, you know, but eventually like with your article, cause we had both read it, he did come to an apology. He says, I'm sorry. I see that you're upset. And I said, thank you. And then we didn't speak because it was heartfelt, but there was still a lot of energy in the air. So we left silent and I think we reflected more on it later and then we came back. Mm-hmm. So sometimes even with the apology, it's not, we didn't apologize and then everything was hunky-dory. It, it, you wrote in your article that it diffuses. I love the word and you said that it diffuses the the um whatever's the energy you know someone you're like you use that oh, word yeah I and i felt that's what happened when he apologized and i saw because he saw how much i was struggling and it was so hurtful the energy in the room i could totally feel everything just deflating in that moment which then allows you to meet the other because mm-hmm. you know right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so now you know, you know, you say that you have the same fight and I kind of I always joke and say we're like it's like we're like Shakespeare. He wrote 36 plays and in each, <laughs> and in each play in each play he kills the king. <laughs> so in the end, in the end, you kill the king. And, and we all have the same um, we have the same script, like we say the same things. And what, what if we get to know our script, that's also a a way to begin to, to diffuse the, the fight. And I, and I was talking to my husband. He also gave me permission to say <laughs> <laughs> that we used to have a fight. We've been married for 40 years. So maybe for 30 or 35 years, we used to have the same fight. And in the fight, my line was, I'm not responding to imaginary stimuli. <laughs> <laughs> because his part of the fight would be to say nothing happened. What am I getting so upset about? So I'm not responding to imaginary stimuli. His response would be, yes, you are. <laughs> but that was our Shakespearean play. And then I would end and I would say, well, I'm not begging. I'm not going to beg anymore. And then the next time I would beg again. <laughs> So, and I don't really fully know what happened, how, you know, we did it over and over and over again. And then we 
talked about needing to apologize and hear the other over and over and over again. <laughs> and now we do it. And it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing that what would have escalated mm-hmm. into like some horrible fight with screaming and yelling and banging doors and mm-hmm. curse, whatever, cursing, I guess, cursing yeah. um, will now just be, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And, um, and, it, and it's over. It's over before it begins. And we actually just had one because um, we, I don't usually work on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And um, my, but my husband sleeps late. He sleeps till about eight thirty nine. So somebody asked me if um, they could see me on Saturday, and I said, "Okay, yes, you could see me, um, but from seven thirty to eight thirty." Because I'm thinking to myself, "Well, it's before he wakes up. What's the big deal?" And then when I told him, he got so upset because he felt like um, I did not ask him. I should have asked him. Our agreement was I don't work on Saturday. I went and did it without asking him. And initially I said, well, what do I have to ask you for? You're just sleeping. (laughs) Why would I ask like an almost dead person? Mm -hmm. And uh, but then he he really felt upset that I didn't ask. And I was able. Thank you, Orlean. To say, I'm sorry, I realize now I should have asked you. I shouldn't have had that conversation in my head where Mm -hmm. I just assumed it wouldn't matter because you were sleeping. And then he was able to say, well, you know, the truth is (laughs) it wouldn't really matter because I would be sleeping. So, um, you know, and then, of course, the person can't see me on Saturday anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, yeah, Murphy's Law, but it's... but we were able to do that very, very um, quickly. And mm-hmm. it could have been a horrible fight. And it wasn't. Yeah. So then it's a, re- yeah, so, that's very funny. The, then it's the reverse. It's talking about now us giving how it feels to give the apology too, like right, noticing. Right. And, and I had talked briefly, I had mentioned to you that I had it. It's similar, you know, I, I, um, I was, my husband and I play music together. And so we were rehearsing and we have a couple of songs we we had written and, and we were playing and then he wanted to change some arrangement. And I said, no, I don't (laughs) want to change the arrangement. Just like that. No. And I can get like that. I, it was late at night, but, and he says, no, but this is the way let's do it this way. Let's put the bridge or this before that. And the chorus, I said, no, I don't want to change it. And he said, no. We're not changing it. I'm the singer. This is the way I want it. I swear. I sounded, listening to myself, I sounded like a kid. And I just said, no, I'm, not, I'm the singer, and this is the way I feel the music, and I don't want to do it. And I looked at my husband, and remember I told you how I could steamroll him? Well, this was one of those moments. So I looked at him, and I saw his whole body kind of, like, defeated, like sink. I saw his face go down, and he says, okay, fine. And then he went on, and we moved on. I was not in a position at that moment to apologize, but I was able to feel myself. And I, I felt in my body um, that tightness and the harshness. I was very rigid, very black and white. Um, you know, it's like that, that traumatic, that adoptive child that Terry Reels talks about. Like he has a chart, which we could talk about after. So I really felt it somatically what was I was doing. And then the next day I... I, after meditation, I woke up out of meditation and I realized I need to apologize to my husband. 
And I went downstairs and I said, you know, yesterday, so-and-so had happened. That was so silly of me. I know that I was acting so irrationally and I have no idea why. Like, I didn't have to figure out why. I just said, I don't know why I was acting that way, but it was really uncalled for. And I could have at least had a discuss. We could have at least talked about the your changes that you wanted. I could have heard you out and I'm just so sorry. And um, he just said, oh, it's all right. I didn't really care. Like, he didn't even, he goes, what are you apologizing for? He forgot, he says, it really didn't matter. I said, no, but it mattered to me. Because I saw how you looked and how you felt. And I hurt you. And that is not okay. Right. Right? And mm-hmm. so, like, I wanted to go, I sent you that list. And so that, when I think about coming from that place, Terry Reels has this chart that he adapted from Pia Melody, which he talks okay. about the adaptive child and then the wise adult. And which way are you coming into the... Um, the argument or the relationship in from which angle, right? So the adaptive child is that traumatic, the, the, the traumatized child, right, in the argument. And they come from, they it's black and white, it's professionist. professionist. Do, you, do you have the chart? Because when you Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was helpful to see it. Okay, if I could see it. So it's black and white, uh, perfectionistic, you're relentless, you're very rigid, it's harsh, you're hard, you're very certain, which is very typical when you're, you know, in an argument and you feel tight, this tightness in the body. And I think that's the somatic piece to really get in touch with. But then if you are coming from your wise adult, he says, you're coming from a more nuanced place, more realistic, more forgiving, more flexible, warm, yielding, humble, and you're relaxed in your body. And I... After I got this chart, I mean, Dave and I had had those incidences. I found that so helpful as a guide that when I got triggered or when he got triggered, I gave it to him. It It's like a, becoming self-aware, having that first self-awareness. What's happening here? What's happening in my body? Am I relaxed or am I tight? You know, am I yielding? Am I, you know, or am I feeling very rigid? Right, so, Right. right? You know, the rigid and the yielding, it reminds me, like, just to circle back to would you rather be right or be in a relationship? Mm. And often uh, we can get very rigid, right? We we clearly, absolutely un- know that it's the other person who's wrong or whose position is stupid, or and, and we can't really yield and see their point of view. Right. E- even And we don't have to... Um, I, we don't have to like agree with it. We don't, we can still think it's not that, not what we would think. Right. Or not what we would want, but it's right. what they want and, or what they think. Mm-hmm. And really to be flexible is to see the other side and to not have to be rigidly um, attached to our own reality, our own perception of what we think is right. And there can be two different points of view. And we don't have to agree that the other one makes sense to us. But we do have to say it matters to the other person. Um, I don't yeah, know if that's what, what he means by rigid. but Yeah, yeah, no. That's, I think that's, that's very spot on. I was thinking when, when Dave and I had that argument about the, the music. Right, right. I had said to myself in my head, oh, no, I know that I want it this way. But 
I was willing to hear him out because I know even from past experience that he does have, I mean, he's my co-writer. He has good ideas. And, and just to hear him out, that's like the new, to be more nuanced and more flexible. That's what the wise adult does, right? So you're kind of, and that's the space in between, right? So the space in between has all those, the yielding and the nuanced. It's like the coming together, you know? Right, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah, so this. Yeah, the yielding, the forgiving, these are all like uh, cooperative in-between experiences or feelings, right, in that in-between. And the the beauty of it is that it's um, it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. So once one person begins it, the other person can follow. So we can follow. So we can see each other. So we Mm. can each hear the other. And by the grace... It's a funny thing, because if if you fight and say, I'm right, I want you to see my perspective, this is what I think, the other person just says, "Um, you're always controlling, and I don't care what you think, and you don't get heard. You do not get heard that way. You do not get what you want. But if you hear the other person, if you kind of say something like, so I know when I get so um, critical it makes you feel badly and I don't mean to do that. And I understand what, what that does. Then the other person can loosen up like you and, and can then say, uh, okay, well, thank you for saying that. And now I, uh, and I can understand why when I don't wash the dishes, it, it makes you so upset. Mm-hmm. I can understand what I do that makes you so upset and I'm sorry. So it can go both ways. And then we get, we get what we want from the generosity of the other. We can never get what we want by being a bully. Usually, I don't think we can really, not relationally anyway. We can't get what we want by, by demanding, enforcing, being a bully, attacking, blaming, criticizing. <laughs> we can get what we want by opening up the pathway. And then it goes both ways. It's like um, a mutual gift that we give each other. And that's very beautiful. Right. And then we get what we want and then the other oh, yeah. person gets what they want. And it becomes, you get even more. But even to get to that place, you know, like, because when you really, you know, when you work with couples and you hear the fights and you, we've all been in them, if we're in marriages or partnerships, we have experienced it. It could get pretty tight. Like when you're having the argument, you're so in it, you are attached. You are the argument. There is no separation, right? There's no I, there's no thou, there's no in between. It's just it, you're in it. And so I think like even to step back, like stepping back a minute, for me, when I work with clients, um, I immediately go somatically because it's like, I want, you want to feel yourself. You want to feel your experience, right? What what I experience right now? So, and so if I'm working with a client, I'll bring them back and I'll say, what are you experiencing in that moment as it's happening, my body is hot, my body is tight, I'm feeling contracted or whatever it is. And because I feel in that moment when you're in such a state, you have to make some space to have some awareness. Awareness is like the key to everything. Mm-hmm. Once you're aware, have that self-awareness, then it opens, it starts to like shake it up, loosen it up and because I was telling you, I have that client and she, um, you know, 
was get would get into these fights, but she couldn't even separate herself from the fight. She didn't even know what she was doing. She would get on the gerbil wheel, so to speak. She was rolling and rolling, and her partner would apologize and apologize heartfeltly. She couldn't take it in. And so eventually I got her to feel what's happening in that moment when you do that. So she started to notice in our sessions, okay, I felt my body. I know I'm triggered. She started to realize that she was triggered, right? So in the being triggered, then we went into the somatic experience, you know, doing the whole doing gestalt therapy, you know, give it a voice, talk to it, do some chair work. Eventually, there was so much space made that she was able to push the parts away and see that it wasn't her boyfriend her boyfriend that was, you know, doing anything to her. It was the child, you know, the traumatized child. But she first had to have that self-awareness. So she comes to me in one of the sessions and she says, we had this fight, but immediately I felt my body get hot. And then I felt myself starting to shake a bit. And then she said, I took a breath because she knew at that moment, it's not him. Something else is happening. And then he apologized. Then there was more space for her to go on the path that, you know, that you're discussing. Right, right, right. And you know, yellow brick road, so to speak. Yeah. If you, um, if you're not, one of the things we also talked about is how often when we feel criticized by somebody saying that we hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're, we, what we're defending ourselves against is the internalized um, blame criticism that we may have experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. And it, it also goes to, if I, if I can say to myself, um, I don't deserve blame. I'm a, I'm, I meant, well, I'm a, I don't have to fight. I, I, I trust myself. And I trust my good intention then I don't have to um, fight the person who's who I perceive as blaming me because they're mm-hmm. stating what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I only have to fight them if I'm taking in that blame and retroflecting and turning it against myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so the more we heal ourselves, the more we um, love ourselves, the more mm-hmm. we also can begin to love the other person. Yes. I think that's really the bottom line, right? Yeah. The self-awareness, mm-hmm. the more we love ourselves, mm-hmm. we can, can love the other. And because, then love because, the, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't need to defend ourselves right. to the extent that we mm-hmm. do when we get into those kinds of couples fights. Cause that parent that we've internalized mm-hmm. is no longer that powerful. So we don't have to fight against that um, that trigger that 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 the person may be, you know, evoking in us. We can just um, kind of say, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You feel that way." Um, we don't right. The need to defend ourselves is not primary. So that's you know the work of that we that we have to do for ourselves is yes. very important. Um, when you see clients, Arlene, when you see a couple, do you also see them individually to work out these issues or recommend that they go see, you know, a therapist outside? Because, you know, it's not a, like we just discussed, it's, we have to work on, you know, do some right, self-reflection. Right. Self-work. Usually I would suggest either they work on it with me in the presence of the other person or they go see someone else. I, I don't like to see um, a couple... And, Mm-hmm. You know, and then individually, because then I think, 
I, I think I was scarred very early in my career when I did that one time and the man told me that he was thinking of having an affair. I'm like, oh no, I don't, I said, don't tell me that. I don't want to know that. I don't, <laughs> don't want to hear. Cause I, I, I always, so from that point on and, and uh, I don't want to hear the, I don't want to get caught in a triangle potentially that I feel like I don't want to do that. If you have a secret, you go tell your own therapist. Don't involve me. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I was just, you know, I was wondering, because I know I have been to couples therapy, you know, and, but we were also seeing someone individually outside and then um, it's just very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. To do yes, with it, your own individual yeah, your own work. Therapy. I think it's so important uh, outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Because the more we can heal ourselves, the more we can bring our healed self mm-hmm. and our less defensive self to the relationship so it's a you know it's a journey and i always say it's the journey of life we're all on it together and that's part of the journey is to heal the childhood wounds and injuries and um yeah and be able to be more than generous and less defensive to the other right and to I ourselves yeah and that's what marriage i think marriage is just set up perfectly for that you know or mm-hmm. a partner partnership partnering uh committed with somebody someone said to me well why would you even get married you know why you don't you know you don't have any kids what's the purpose and i said because we're it's it's harder to leave <laughs> it's more complicated to end and then we're really in it and so when things come up we're here and we have to work it through right. and and it was um because I said, I'm in it for myself. I want to expand. I want to grow. I want to love as much as I possibly can. And how am I going to do that? And if I'm not constantly looking at myself and getting like in a mirror, getting bounced back, right? Reflecting right. back. And it is, that's the healing power of the relationship that mm-hmm. these childhood wounds open up and we can start to solve them in a different way. Instead mm-hmm. of defending, instead of taking them on, um, we can start to be less defensive, but also it opens up the pathway to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so in the, cause if we do it differently, we, we negate the power of whatever that um, perceived attack was. We don't care who cares. Right. Um, oh, you're just doing that because you feel bad as opposed to you're doing that to me and I have to defend myself. Um, so then we get to heal by having those, we have the same ones, like I said, the Shakespeare play, yeah. we so have them really over and these, over. Yeah. So really these fights then are really, or these arguments, they're, they're constant little gifts that are coming up to mm-hmm. help us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like growth opportunities. As my other, my diamond approach teacher or therapist says to me, another effing growth opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yep, yeah, here comes another one. And so they're right, all like right. these little growth opportunities. So you look at it with curiosity, right? And like embracing it, even though it doesn't always feel so great. But you know, coming through the other side, like the other side of the apology, you know, you know that it's going somewhere good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is, it is amazing how you're right. They're, they happen over and over again. We get the chance over and over again to have yep. the same script, but we, then we get to, to do it differently. Yes. And, and and we um take the power away of of that of that that script. The power we don't need to attack ourselves uh defend ourselves. No. I know, right? Think. And the vulnerability is such a 
it feels so, um, it's so touching and it's so, it, it's such a, a heart opening. I feel so connected to everything and everyone when I feel vulnerable, right? We feel, mm-hmm. it's just like you show, it's vulnerable, vulnerability is just such a, a heart opening experience, right? right. So um, it's like, I welcome, I welcome those moments you know, right. But we have to be able to stand. Um, we have to be and hold oh, yeah. that vulnerability. And yeah, well, that wasn't be... always the case. You know, that's after decades. Before. Right, right, right. But we, we to know that we will take care of ourselves. We will mm-hmm. protect ourselves. Right. And, and then nothing I, again, can... you know, can I just say against yeah. real danger and not perceived danger? Yes. <laughs> so if, if somebody really is insulting or mean yeah. or whatever, you yeah. might want to say, please don't speak to me like that. That's yeah. not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't want to project perceived danger just in case they may attack us <laughs> so that we can attack them first. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that that vulnerable, like I always say, you open your arms like a baby runs to you or a little child uh-huh. runs with their arms open mm-hmm. and their whole rib cage exposed. They don't really, they don't really know that yet <laughs> mm-hmm. that somebody's going to hurt them or not, not embrace them or, you know, welcome them. So mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful, I always think of it with the arms outstretched that yeah. a child is such a beautiful um, yeah metaphor for that. And that's what an apology does, right? So mm-hmm. like coming around circle, full circle, it's like when mm-hmm. you do apologize and not needing anything back, that's the other thing you're really just allowing yourself to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to feel that vulnerability. And it feels, yeah, it's pretty beautiful when you just, yeah. I felt so good apologizing to my husband that it almost wasn't about him. It was about him because my heart felt for him, but I just felt so good because I felt closer to him in that moment that I, you know, yeah. Could you read the Hillel quote again? I love, I know I'm looking at the clock, but I'm going to say eight o'clock, but I'm. Oh, well, I, you know, I, I don't know if I have it a hundred percent. I don't oh. have it written down, but okay. I, I kind of know it from memory. It's yeah. if I'm not for myself, who will be, mm-hmm. if I'm not for others, what am I, mm-hmm. if not now, when? Mm. So, so it's, uh, you know, it, I have to be for me. I have to be for others mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. And and that is the human dilemma. And, and then the if be- not when, now. It's always now. in the now, right? Right, like right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And the best part, we, I say 100 BC, were there still dinosaurs then? I, I <laughs> Who knows? Were there like a thousand people on the earth? But it, but it, but it was the dilemma then. And it's, yeah. and it's been the dilemma forever of how do we find that balance? How do we find that balance in the between? Thank you for having me, Arlene. Oh, thank you for being here. Okay, thank you, everybody, for being with us, for listening. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Ask Arlo. Arlene Majorano has another episode of the podcast coming soon, so keep checking back on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be sure to visit AskArlo.com to ask questions and to find out more about the show. Until our next show, keep finding new ways to renew the relationships in your life.